morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to a brand new series, a brand new study we're entitling DNA, Who We Are. DNA, you have heard about it, you know about it. When Alice Collins' plea book decided to do a DNA test, she did it all in good fun. Maybe some of you have done one. Uh, there's uh, Ancestry.com. There's the 23andMe. There's a variety of those things online. You can take a kit. You can send it in, and you can get a little bit of information about your family. Anybody ever done something like that? Maybe you know of somebody who's done that. So she decided to do it in good fun. Now, as originally reported by the Washington Post newspaper, this woman, who identified as Irish-American, was shocked to find a mix of European-Jewish, Middle Eastern, and Eastern European genes in her results. After family-wide DNA testing, she learned that her father was not the biological son of her grandparents. After even more digging, she finally got to the bottom of the story. And the bottom of the story was this. Her father had been sent home from the hospital with the wrong family. A mystery of over 100 years had been solved by a mail-in DNA test. DNA. We hear about it. Uh, if you have watched or heard of daytime talk shows, there's a guy by the name of Maury Povich who used DNA tests to declare, you are the father or you are not the father in particular paternity cases. If you were a television watcher, there was a popular television show years ago, still on in reruns today, CSI, Crime Scene Investigation. Gil Grissom and other members of the Las Vegas Crime Lab would investigate crime scenes, and, and they would come up with blood or hair or fibers or etc., finding certain items, being able to test it for DNA and figure out who did what, where, and when, all because of DNA. You've heard about it, but what exactly is DNA and why does it exist? Well, Aren't you thankful school's back in session? So let's have a quick biology lesson. DNA stands for what? Deoxyribonucleic acid. Tell me you got that right on your, your science exam, right? DNA, that's what it stands for. And the, the double helix, uh, I guess we've got a issue with our computer. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. The double helix describes the DNA's winding, two-stranded chemical structure. You've probably seen some pictures, this dual-stranded DNA double helix. It contains the units of biological building blocks called nucleotides. DNA contains the hereditary material and genes and everything that makes us unique. In studying that, it was interesting to find out that 99.9% .9 of DNA is the same. It's the 0.1% that's different. All of the unique individual code for who we are. Put very simply, DNA contains the instructions 
necessary for life. That's DNA. So as we take a look at this study, it's DNA, who we are. The look is not at biology, physiology. This isn't science class looking at who we are as a physical body, but exploring the DNA. Who are we as a church? What is our DNA or structure? Why is it that we exist? Well, we are Alger Assembly of God. We are one of the uh, roughly 288 Assemblies of God churches right here in the state of Ohio. We are one of about 13,000 Assemblies of God states in the United States. What did I just say? Assembly of God states? Yeah, that didn't sound right. Assembly of God churches in the United States, about 288 churches in Ohio, about 13,000 Assemblies of God churches in the United States, uh, somewhere around 65 to 70 million people who uh, go to or adhere to an Assemblies of God church worldwide. That is who we are. We are a part of the Assemblies of God. You can take a look at our website, the Assemblies of God website, to look at some of the details from Scripture, the what we believe and what we believe God's Word to teach. Now, over this past year or so, and, and a lot of it was done last year, we took part in what was called an Acts journey. We had a number of our church leaders go through and walk through some sessions with John Musgrave and the church health department, examining some of these questions about church health and about church life. Who are we and why do we exist? We examine things like a vision statement and core values and some of the strategy of looking to move forward. Now, what we initially had begun focusing on over this last year, you saw some of the refresh items and refreshing our facilities. But I want to share a handful of things over these next number of weeks, this DNA, who we are, why we exist, and explore some of what we had discussed and described, and some of it's an expansion on some things that we have talked about in previous years. So take a look at the vision statement, and we don't have that on the screen. We'll try to, that's our old computer that we're trying to fix up for today. Must not have made it. Uh, so we'll hopefully get something figured out for you. So unfortunately, it's time to listen, pay attention, and have that photographic memory here. By taking a look at our vision statement, the expansion of some of the simple worded thoughts that we shared earlier, you've seen on pens, you've seen on website and other places, we've used the terms belong, believe, and become. As part of our discussions, we expanded that a little bit, adding a fourth B and kind of putting it into a paragraph format. What we came up with was this, we are committed as a church, our DNA, we are committed to helping people belong to a family, believe in Jesus, become a disciple, and build his kingdom. Those are simple biblical concepts and uh, ideas that we believe as a church we are to be a part of. So let's take a look at that. We'll examine a little bit more detail this thought, this vision statement, if you would. Why do we exist as a church? We're committed to helping people belong to a family. Now, I realize there's a lot of different families represented, not just in our church, in our community. Uh, some families are awesome and incredible. Other families, maybe there's some challenges, 
But the goal is people desire to belong. People want to be a part of something, particularly as a family. F- familiar verse of Scripture, John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. It says, God so loved the world. It was all-inclusive, all-encompassing. That love reaches out to everyone. Nobody's excluded. The verse doesn't say, well, God so loves men, but uh, he's not sure about women. Or God loves women, but he's not sure about those men. No, God so loves the world. It didn't say, well, God loves the younger, but he's not so sure about the older. Or God loves the older, but he's not so sure about the younger. There's no distinction. It doesn't say, God so loves those Ohio State Buckeye fans, but everybody else, you're on your own. Aren't you thankful that's not what the Word of God says? If you're from that team up north perspective. A few loud and proud there. It says, God so loved the world. Every single one is invited. Everyone is included. Everyone is welcomed to be a part of His family because people long to belong. People want to be connected. People want to be included. We, we like different things, whether it's in school, whether it's in church, whether it's in work, whether it's in the community. We like to fit in. We like to be welcomed. We like to belong. And sometimes the challenge is when you start over in a new place, you're trying to figure out, am I welcomed? Do I have a sense of belonging? And I've I've said before, but I encountered quite a bit of that in my high school years. I was in four different high schools in my four years. That's a challenge. Uh, The first one I'd been a part of, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and halfway through my freshman year. So I was familiar. I knew quite a few people. I I wasn't in kindergarten with all of these kids, but I'd been there for quite a few years and started the year, and in the middle of the year, we moved to another state. Dad pastoring another church, and so I went from one school to another school, finishing out the year. It was night and day differences between the schools. And I'm trying to fit in, and I'm trying to connect, and I'm, I'm wanting to be a part. I'm wanting to, to be long. Well, it wasn't long then. The very next school year, as a sophomore, we moved from the parsonage that the church owned into our own home. Well, that was in a different school district, so that became school number three in only my second year. And I was there for my sophomore and junior year. Again, meeting new people, wanting to have that sense of belonging and connect with people who had been going to school with one another for years and trying to fit in and in and, and some of these classes and courses. And about that time, we moved on to another church in a, another state. And so for my last year, my senior year, my one and only year in my fourth high school, And again, most of those kids, they started in kindergarten, and they went all the way through to being a senior. I was there for my very first year. Four high schools, four years. Maybe that doesn't describe you, but a new school or a new church or in a new community or in a new job, everybody longs 
to belong. We want to be a part of something. We want to be welcomed. The encouragement in the body of Christ is to belong to the family of God. There's support when we belong. Even in the midst of difficulties. Anybody ever have difficulty in your life? Oh, only a couple hands. That's great. So the rest of you, zero difficulties. Yeah, you just didn't bother to raise your hand and be honest, right? I would say we've all faced some difficulties. Jesus said in this world you will have troubles. But he says, take heart, I've overcome the world. There's this sense of belonging and support in belonging, even in the midst of troubles. Maybe you've seen the cartoon or the comic in the newspapers, Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, the little boy and uh, the little uh, stuffed, uh, I believe it's uh, the stuffed tiger. In one of these cartoons, he gets dressed up in his special clothes and heads back to school. However, along the way, he sits on bubblegum, gets beat up by a bully, fails a test at school, and then gets rained on during the trip home. At bedtime, he says, you know, Hobbes, to the little tiger, some days, even my lucky rocket ship underpants don't help. Maybe you felt like that, with or without the lucky rocket ship underpants. We all have faced difficulties. We all face struggles and hardships and sorrows, and yet there is strength and support and encouragement by belonging to a family. Not just your physical family, but the body of Christ. We're able to encourage. We're able to lift one another up as we belong to a family. So a church is a place where we can belong to a family, a place where we can come as we are. Jesus, as he encountered some of the disciples, Matthew chapter 4, he met Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John. Remember that they were fishing, and he said, come follow me, and they became a part of the disciples, Matthew chapter 9, he met Matthew, a tax collector, and had dinner with him. Tax collectors, then as in now, not the most popular people. So if you want the most, you know, welcomed profession, maybe skip out on tax collecting, right? Matthew in biblical days, even today's day and age, people aren't crazy about paying taxes. Well, he had dinner with him, and religious leaders, Pharisees, were upset at whose house he was hanging out with. I mean, don't you know this? Matthew, he's a tax collector. He's crooked. He's a sinner. How could you hang out with someone like that? Hanging out with imperfect people. I don't know about you, I've got... I've got a secret for you. You might have figured it out. If not, I'll let you in on it. Alger Assembly of God, it's not a perfect church. You know a big reason? It doesn't have a perfect pastor. You know what else? It's filled with a whole bunch of imperfect people. We are imperfect. Perfect people, but aren't you thankful that God extends His love not just to a few, but to all to welcome to be a part of and belong to His family? With Jesus, as He welcomed and invited the disciples to learn and to grow, He didn't say, Hey, before you can come and follow me, you've got to pass the disciple SAT test. 
You've got to get everything right before you come and follow me, before you connect with me. He just said, come and follow. And they were kind of learning as they went, on-the-job training. In a sense, that's what Jesus extends to people. Our heart is to extend to the world around us as a church. We want to invite people to belong to a family. But as well, not just to belong to a family, but secondly, to believe in Jesus. Again, back to John 3, 16, familiar verse of Scripture. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever, what, believes in him. If you believe in him, you have eternal life and able to be with Jesus. It's not just that everybody can come and is welcome to be a part of the family of God, welcome to be a part of this church body, but once here, we want to encourage you to believe in Jesus, to put your faith and your trust in him. Romans 10.9 puts it this way, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe in a God who loves you. We love a lot of things. We use that word love a lot. And it's not just with God and it's not just with a spouse. It's not just with our kids, not just with grandma and grandpa. We use love a lot, right? We talk about our dogs with love. In fact, how many of you, you've, you've got that little baby voice when you talk to or with your dog? I have to admit it. I got my hand up. In fact, in our household, Shadow has a voice. So, you know, myself or Kim or sometimes the girls will talk in a Shadow voice as if that's what he's really thinking. I and mean, it's basically baby talk for a dog. Why? Because we love our dog. If you've got a dog or a cat or, you know, we love our pets. We love things like food and dessert and we like our pop and our coffee and our outfits and our sports and our elect. There's a lot of things we love. And so we toss that word love around a lot. But you and I can believe in a God who loves us more than we love a cup of coffee, more than we love a bowl of ice cream, even more than you might love your dog. And I know there's some people in here that love their dogs an awful lot because I'm one of them. But imagine how much God loves you and he loves me. Believe in a God who loves you. Our love, sometimes it's finicky. Sometimes it's conditional, right? Someone disappoints us, our love it kind of wavers. Sometimes it changes. Sometimes it ends. You know, we're, we're not crazy when someone says or does something to us that we don't like. God's love is unconditional for us, unchanging, an unending kind of love. Believe in a God who loves us. Believe in a Savior, Jesus Christ, his son, who died on the cross. In a sense, we're talking about the story of Christmas and the story of Easter, right? That Jesus was born, he lived, he grew, he taught, he healed, he did miracles, he died upon a cross, he was buried in a tomb, and he was raised on the third day. Believe in Jesus Christ as a Savior who died for you and me. 
The message of Christmas, the message of Easter, it's just as true in August or January or November or February, any of those other 363 days of the year. That message of Jesus is true. It's a God who loves us. It's a Savior who died for us. And we are able to believe in a Bible that is God's true word for us. It's a personal letter. God has given his word for you and for me. There's history in there and poetry in there, war and love and miracles and prophecy and more. It's God's word written for you and I. You look at the word of God. It shows many people at their absolute best. It shows a whole lot of people at their absolute worst. It doesn't sugarcoat things. It doesn't just show us all the good things that people do and, you know, kind of hide the bad things. Uh, that's, that's big with today's culture, right? If you are on social media a lot, what do we tend to see? Not all the time, but many times we put the best out there. So you'll, you'll see a lot of these people that are called influencers, right? They're the people with all these thousands and thousands and millions and millions of followers. And what are they posting? How awesome their life is. How beautiful everything looks. How awesome and incredible everything is. And many times they're not showing the pain, the heartache, the difficulty, the sorrow that's being faced. We tend to put our best foot forward and we want to try to hide some of the things that aren't so good. Hide the, the mistakes, the errors, the sins, the, uh, the, you know, warts, so to speak. All, all the stuff we're not so proud about, we tend to hide those things. God's word's very open and clear. There's some people who have made some great decisions, and it shows that. There's some people who have made some bad decisions, failed and fallen on their faces before God, and we get that as well. Believe in a Bible that is God's word for you and I. It literally is the blueprint for your life and my life to follow. So part of what we desire to do is not just to welcome people to belong and be a part of the family of Alger Assembly of God, to come and be a part of that. We want to encourage you here in person, watching or listening online, to believe in Jesus. Surrender your heart and your life to him that he is first in your life that you've asked him to cleanse and forgive you of sins and give a brand new start. Believe in Jesus. We're committed to help people, not just belong. We want to welcome people. But we want to encourage them to believe in Jesus. Thirdly, to become a disciple. Not just to make a decision, not just to pray a prayer, not just to say, I came one time and, you know, I think God really touched my heart but to become a disciple. What's a disciple? Very simply, it's a learner or follower of Jesus. We want to encourage people not just to pray a prayer, not just to say, Jesus, forgive me, and then go out and live the same way before, but to be a disciple, to be a learner, a follower, day after day, growing in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, those who become a Christian, those who surrender their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, that we become a new creation, a new creature. The old has 
passed away, and behold, all things have become new. When we surrender a heart and life, we're a new person, a new creation. And so the goal is to continue to learn and grow and follow after Jesus day after day after day. It's not just a one-time prayer where we say, God, cleanse me and forgive me, but now help me as I walk and as I live for you every single day. God loves us and cares about us, welcomes us exactly where we are, but loves us too much to keep us that way. He desires that we would grow to become more like his son, Jesus. This is not the place where we grow to become more like somebody else. Whether it's a pastor, a leader, a teacher, maybe there can be someone that could be an encouragement, but ultimately we're to be like Christ. He's the one that we follow. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He says, you might follow after me. You might see some things in me to emulate, to follow, to put into practice. But ultimately, I'm following Christ. So you follow Christ as I follow Christ. It's this, this process. I'm following Christ. You see that in me? So follow me as I follow him. And Ephesians 5.1, he says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. What and who are we to imitate? Him. That's all kinds of imitations. You ever bought something that was an imitation? Maybe it's imitation food. Uh, maybe you, you know, you've tried imitation crab meat. Or you, you know, you, you've bought something that's an imitation. It's not the real thing. It's trying to be the real thing, but it's not. Or maybe you have imitated somebody else. Ever try to imitate the way somebody talks or walks, and sometimes it's kind of funny? I remember uh, it's been a number of years. Uh, we were watching some of the old reel-to-reel uh, -reel videos of my mom and dad. Uh, I mentioned again, uh, I've got four siblings. They were 13, 14, 15, and 16 years old, teenagers all when I was born. And so... They had some videos that were reel-to-reel, -reel, and so we had to get out the reel-to-reel -reel projector and watch this on a wall. Uh, most of them didn't have, uh, have audio. But in one that kind of sticks out, it was after a Sunday. Mom must have been uh, doing the video, and Dad goes up to the, the, the step in the front of the house, and you know he, I'm not sure that he knew what to do with this video, so he just kind of went up and, and put his foot on the step and put his hand there. My oldest brother, uh, I'm not sure the age, he was probably six, seven, eight, I'm going to guess. He went up right next to my dad. He put his foot on the step just like my dad, put his hands on his knee just like my dad. Why? He was wanting to imitate what he saw. Now, my son, Shadow, can't quite do the same thing. But my daughters have, over the years, imitated at times. And particularly when they were younger, they would smile and laugh. Maybe we're eating spaghetti, and they'd wipe some spaghetti sauce on their chin. Or we're eating dessert, and they put some Cool Whip on their chin to kind of imitate Dad's little patch of hair right here. Look at me, I'm Daddy, they'd, they'd say. Yeah, that's funny. Now, now wipe up that spaghetti sauce. We often want to act like or look like or talk like somebody else. 
Who are we to imitate? It's Jesus. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so the heart and the vision of the church is to welcome people, yes, to be long to a family. As they come and as they worship, we encourage you and others as well to believe in Jesus. Don't stop there, but become a disciple. And then finally, to build his kingdom. Building up the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4.11, he talks about gifts and talks about some of the leaders given to the church and apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers who are to equip, uh, equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The church, the body, the kingdom. Ultimately, we're to grow and build his work, his church, his body, his kingdom. It's something bigger than you and I, something bigger than what we are a part of. We're a part of the body of Christ. Every single body part is important. Every part of the body of Christ, every part of God's kingdom. It is God's kingdom, not ours. God's kingdom and not ours. We're not here to try to build up man's kingdom but to build up the kingdom of God, reaching people for Jesus Christ. Building up his kingdom is a process. If you've been a part of a building project or a part of a remodel project, you would wish that some of those things just took place instantaneously. Even as we've mentioned some of the different updates as we're looking for the future in our bathrooms, it would be great if you could just snap your fingers and those bathrooms would magically transform in an instant. As we mentioned, it's going to be a number of months before that's on the calendar. And then when they come, it's going to be a number of weeks between our project and the other church's project to be able to get all of these things done. Building things takes time. And building the kingdom of God takes time as we reach people one by one by one. So part of the DNA, why do we exist as a church? It's not just to say, hey, let's go hang out on Sunday for a social gathering. Hopefully there's some fellowship and hope, hopefully there's some of that connectivity as a family. But we want to belong. To a family, believe in Jesus, become a true disciple of his, and build his kingdom.